welcome, welcome to another episode of Assembling Titans Recap. Um, yesterday we played the Buffalo Bills at Nissan Stadium in the beautiful city of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we lost that game 14-7 to um, in a slugfest, in a back-and-forth game, a defensive battle. Um, and in that game, several storylines, the media is eating it up. Several storylines have been birthed from that game this week, and that's just the nature of the beast. But before I get into this, as I'm, you know, on my back porch, as I like to do every now and again, record um, outside, as you can hear the wilderness in the in the background. Um, before I get into, it, I want to preface this: I have an immense amount of respect for NFL coaches. Um, NFL executives and NFL players. I have a, a tremendous respect for the hard work they put in, the sacrifice they put in, and especially for this team in Tennessee because it wouldn't make sense for me to have a true disdain for a coach or a general manager if I'm actually trying to work with these people someday or just for the franchise in general. So let me preface that. However, I am a vested Tennessee Titans supporter. I pretty much know this team inside and out. Um, I have experience in the football world in all levels, from Pop Warner to elementary to high school to college and some pro. So let me just preface that, you know, let, let me make that my foundation for what I'm about to say. Um, tremendous respect. You know, the grind is, it, you know, it's a, it's a brotherhood. It's a fraternity. I get it. However, as you know, it does not it does not save you from comments, criticism and the real. And that's all that I've been given, giving this Tennessee Titans franchise since I made a choice to make scouting player evaluation a vocation a passion of mine. That's all I've been giving out is truth. Um, I am consistently on point. I'm consistently accurate with my assessments with this football team. Am I 100%? No. So this is what I have to say about this Tennessee Titans team. And, and I say this level-headed. It is not emotional. It, I, I, I've gotten past that point of becoming of, a, of an emotional. I did that when I was a kid. You know, this is grown man talk. You have to look at roster engineering. It's a term that I coined, which basically is self-explanatory. Engineering your roster, constructing your roster, making it make sense with what your vision is. So as I look at this Tennessee Titans team and the reason why they fail to be consistent is their message is not lining up with how their roster is constructed. This message, the message of this team is to be a physical football team that is disciplined, that runs the game to set up the pass. Not necessarily a vertical threat offense, but a dink and dunk. It's set up to be that way in terms of how it has been voiced, how they go out schematically. Defensively, they want to be uh, scheme versatile. They want to have front multiplicity and coverage consistency 
right? That's what was said. Now, if we look at this team offensively, we have a, we have a quarterback. Starting at the quarterback position, we have a, a very athletic quarterback who is tailored to a new school, run-and-gun, fast-paced offense. Think about that. We have a quarterback that is in the mode of a Kyler Murray, um, Lamar Jackson, but we're playing him like he's, you know, no disrespect, Jacoby Brissett, or playing him like he's, you know, maybe Jared Goff. I don't know. Some uh, less electrifying quarterback. Good quarterbacks that I mentioned before. More so, I like Brissett a little bit more than golf, unpopular opinion, but whatever. Think about that. That's that's number one. This is called roster engineering. Running back position. Fits the mold, right? Physical, bruiser back, yada, yada, yada. But if that's going, going to be your MO, why isn't your RB2 like that back that you have as your RB1? Because right now, your RB2 is a scat back that isn't finding his way in this offense because the plays that are called is running him up the butt of Ben Jones. So it is not aligning. There's a disconnect. You look at what you want to do functionally in that offense. Okay, run game. A lot of teams are ditching the fullback position. Okay, that's fine. If you don't have a a traditional fullback, okay, get you a good, mobile, physical, great run blocking tight end. I ask you this. What tight end on the Tennessee Titans is a great run blocking tight end? Ask yourself that. I'll wait. They do not have one. They do not have an above average elite run blocking tight end. For your fullback formations, for your H-back, when you have that 22 personnel, you have a tight end back there that is not good at run blocking. And let me take that back. I'm not going to say is not good. You're not great at run blocking. You had a guy in Luke Stalker, somewhat of that mold. You had a guy in Anthony Fasano that was probably one of the better run blocking tight ends that you've had. You know, this is before, you know, this is 2016. This is more, more, Malak, more Malarkey's time, excuse me. So you look at how this, you get, you kind of get what I'm, where I'm going. You kind of understand what I'm saying. Roster engineering, you're forming a roster that doesn't match the vision. You look at that offensive line. You look at Taylor Luan, a very athletic left tackle, kind of you know, in a different universe, him and Marcus Mariota would be a great match in a different offense. You look at your left guard that you signed, Roger Saffold, that I was high on. I agree with the signing. But what I see from Roger Saffold is a culture shock, a talent shock. Um, and to me, he, you got to think, and this is me learning. When you have a player that had been on a team previously for so long, played in a system for so long, was accustomed to a certain style of play, was accustomed to a certain level of competition 
even at practice going up against future Hall of Famer Aaron Donald and great player, maybe even another Hall of Famer in, in Damakun Kung Su last year. And just consistently having that type of battles at practice, you become conditioned. It's something that I call conditioned performance elevation. You, you play up to your competition. You play up to them. And that's your mindset. And some players are like that. Some players, you play against that competition. It elevates you and you just kind of stay there. When you have an aging player like Roger Sappho, that may not be the case. To me, as an aging player, very consistent, went through a lot of ups and downs with the with the Rams organization, and he played high. He played a high level of football because a lot was at stake, and he had performance elevation by going up against a future Hall of Famer. No disrespect to Jarrell Casey, no disrespect to any of those defensive linemen on the Tennessee Titans, but the truth. And the facts are that they are not really making Roger Saffold better, to be completely honest. So when he comes to these games and have to face Jordan Phillips and, you know, when he has to face uh, Miles Garrett, when he comes on stunts and stuff like that, have to face these guys who are super naturally powerful and strong. It's new to him. He hasn't been hit like that since he's been signed, even at practice. So. From that standpoint, that might be some of the things, and obviously technique and stuff like that, but that is a very important factor that, yes, you signed him. I agree with the signing. I would have signed him myself. But some way, I also said to sign better defensive tackles as well. So, you know, just just because. So look at the center position. You look at the right guard position, which been in flux, fluctuation. Um, you look at the right tackle position. I've already said my, my piece about – you know, Conklin being really a guard to me, especially after his injury. Um, Dennis Kelly played extremely well in um, um, Taylor Luan's absence. And the the just the stubborn rigidness of not at least trying him at right guard and then moving Dennis Kelly at, to right tackle that, yes, a lot of fans have that same sentiment and they're so adamant that he's not a, a, a guard, but this is getting ridiculous. Can we can we can we can we say that that that's the case? Um, so just looking at how it's constructed, it's just it's just not matching, especially on on offense. Defensively, you know, I've already said that you got to pair another superior defensive lineman, defensive tackle, a true a true nose tackle, uh, stalwart with Jarrell Casey, which da- Daquan Jones has has improved and played well. Um, you look at the cornerback position, you already know, I, I like Tredavis White in that 2017 draft. I mean, it's, it's at, it's ad nauseum at this point. Um, and we need, you know, obviously I think the defense plays good enough to win. You know, if, if there was anything else, you know, during the past few years, I've said, you know, gather an elite pass rushing force to help guys that can win their one-on-ones, not necessarily always having to scheme pressure it seems like this team can scheme things but when it comes down to one-on-ones very rarely is it you know being executed so we have to do a better job of winning one-on-ones but you know coming in the future 
you have to build a roster that when things go awry, you have players that can overcome those type of deficiencies, which is a perfect segue to a lot of the comments being made. We consistently hear about the penalties and discipline and what do you do about this and what do you do about this? I think Vrabel does a, a, a good job of, you know, and, and, you know, coaches do this in general. I think more do it than not is inform your players of what type of, of pardon me, officiating crew that's out there and what type of calls that they make and what type of uh, tendencies do they have? You know, are they more likely to call this or more likely to call that? What situation do they protect the quarterback? Are they really ticky tack withholding? And I think Mike Vrabel did that. And it seems like the very things that he taught or said went against them. So just from that standpoint of constantly having to play behind the eight ball you're not that type of team that can overcome that. I've seen great teams. You know, I've seen teams of Titans pass that, you know, would get themselves in a hole but can get them out. I've seen great teams in general, you know, who, you know, make mistakes early in the game, late in the game, and still can overcome it because of talent. The Titans cannot afford that. But when you just talk about roster engineering, you get players to get you out of ruts. When I look at players, when I evaluate players, I honestly try to get players and target players that I have that in mind. That is he the type of player that can get us out the rut when things are going bad? You know, you know, can he have that that play that kind of changes the whole complexion of the game? And you look for players like that in the draft and you look for players like that when they're. The margin of error is so low that he still can find a way. That's very hard. I know that it's hard, but consistently I've been able to find them. So that's 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 another thing that that that's being brought up in the media. The Tennessee Titans in general, just working from what they have now. You know, let's calm this down. I know we've been on a we've been on a roll here. You know, here at Assembling Titans, recapping this Bill game. Bills game, but just just that game in general. Obviously, you played well enough to win, but when you look at how the offense is formulated, it seems like it's it's putting the scheme, the plays, the patterns, it's putting th- those things over the talent and the player skill sets that you have. I posted on my Twitter at bu underscore scouting. How many targets after five games, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, Delaney Walker, all of those guys are getting. Delaney Walker had five targets per game. Uh, Other guys, A.J. Brown, he's averaging, what, three and some change. You look at other guys like Terry McLaurin for the Washington Redskins, uh, a team that is struggling at the quarterback position, and he's missed a game. He's averaging six. So it's a situation where sometimes a situation calls for, okay, we're going to scheme up a nice screen for John New Smith so he can get 57 yards and people can come out the woodworks and call him Delaney Walker's successor. You can do that. But for me, I see that Delaney Walker, most of his play, I mean, uh, John New Smith, most of his plays have been schemed. 
You look, you put together a highlight tape of John Smith. I guarantee you, very rarely has what he done been just a prowess, like great route running or or a phenomenal catch or some type of savvy play. More than likely, it's because it was schemed for him. So that's that's what you call scheming players into existing schemes scheming players and, and allowing them to use natural athletic athletic ability now this is a different mindset like in this game so many times i'm like i already knew doing my scouting report versus the bills was levi wallace is their weak weak link is he a good weak link uh <laughs> weak link is he a good weak link <laughs> that's kind of weird saying it you know in secession but um yes he is he's a he's a he's playing solidly right now but at the end of the day he is a smaller corner and we have big receivers i was wondering all game when are we gonna you know pick on him a little bit and that's where you think of players some some situations call for a play some situations call for players and if you look at contrastly how the Buffalo Bills operated on their game, what was to be their game-winning drive, they started saying, forget these plays. We're going to get the ball in players' hands. And as you can see, they got the ball in Isaiah McKenzie's hands, a speedster, very similar to my guy Kevante Turpin, Deion Harris, those type of guys that I scouted during the offseason and draft season that would add a different type of element to a team. They use Isaiah McKenzie, and it set them up perfectly for a score. They also use Andre Roberts, another speedster, in the red zone during that same drive. They thought players and not plays. And I also tweeted, I also shared this thought. Who do the Titans have when those things come to mind? Now, they might not have a, a speedster, but they do have players. I was wondering when they are going to attack Levi Wallace. You can look at the stats of Derrick Henry as well. You know, as I'm scouting the Buffalo Bills is you can attack them on the edge. You look at his stats. He's probably averaging. And this is the numbers that's, you know, I might not have the exact numbers in my mental Rolodex right now, but he was averaging probably less than two yards up the middle. You were not getting anything versus them. The the scouting reports even said that if you, you know, I did the numbers and if you did as well. You look on the edge, you look at the aging Lorenzo Alexander, which is a great player, but you get him running, you get him gassed, not not necessarily good versus outside zone run and stretch plays. You look at one of the scoring drives that the Tennessee Titans had when off the left side, Derrick Henry had a 17-yard run, which I believe might be his longest of the game. It was a situation where you're attacking the the good at pass rushing Jerry Hughes, but not as good versus the run Jerry Hughes. And he was also attacking the undersized corner Levi Wallace's side. And he had his biggest run of the game. Now, you can't do that every game. I understand. I mean, every play, I understand that. But those are the type of situations thinking of not ne- not always plays, but players, even on the other team, you know, who can I attack in the red zone? Who can I attack in this situation? Calling plays is a multifaceted thing. It's not just so boring and so structured in terms of, you know, this is, okay, this is our play. This is our situation. I've seen the play caller sheet. You have short and short, uh, second and short, third and long, play action, move the pocket, 
uh, five step drop, seven step drop. You know, I've I've seen the play caller sheet before, but it's multifaceted. Sometimes it is the play sheet. Sometimes it's who can I attack on defense? Who looks gassed out there? Who during my scouting report isn't good in du- with double moves or versus slants or versus fades or versus receivers with bigger bodies and larger catch radius who can win the 50-50 ball? You know, or it's like I have a big receiver. Let me give him a shot. You know, I've said this before. I think Corey Davis is a player. You got to give him at least seven targets. A.J. Brown, he's averaging three. You got to double, triple that. Adam Humphreys, he's well worth people talking about the money that we spend in free agency is not working out, blah, blah, blah. Well, you're not giving him opportunities. You're not saying we have a specific Adam Humphreys play or a handful of Adam Humphreys plays every game. This is your play. This is the bubble screen, the bubbles, the slants, the uh, jet sweeps, um, you know, comeback route, deep, deep out. You know, this is own this. This is what you do. This is your package for this game. Titans have to shift the focus from plays to players, from scheme to skill set. And that's really, to me, was the difference in the game that was so close versus the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, moving forward, you know, obviously I have a passion for this football team. And like I say, a lot of people want to have this certain comments or certain type of uh, snarky, um, opinionated, condescending tone by the way that I portray myself or the way that I share my passion. But at the end of the day, I know that I can assist this team. I, I, have, I have the passion. I have the facts. I have consistently been accurate on my assessments. 100%? No, nobody is. But at a high rate, I have. And I can assist this team. But, in, but until then, they know my name. Until then, I'm going to keep on doing my work. I'm going to keep on working hard. And for the people who, who care, like I said last time, I salute you. And for the people who don't, and the, for the people who have power to help, continue watching. Because I'm going to help some team win championships consistently. I'm going to help some team. Prefer to be the Titans. If they don't see the worth, and if the people that can help me don't see the worth either, 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 then it is what it is. But, like I said, this has been a, you know, an enjoyable episode of Assembly Titans recap. Hope that I uh, gave you guys a different, uh, you know, viewpoint and way to look at the game of football. I'm Charles Barnes. Contact me. Hit me up on Twitter at BU underscore scouting. The same with my IG that I'm not on there enough. But, um, you know, I'm, um, I'm certainly con- uh, a person that you can contact for questions. For shout outs, you guys want to collab, certainly um, contact me. But that's kind of how I feel. This season is not lost. It's a long season. Um, And for the Titans fans that's listening, you know, you know, um, you know, don't don't get too high. Don't get too low. It's it's a game. I understand that uh, you're passionate about it. Um, But, you know, we got 13 more games. I'm pretty sure that you're not going to cut your TV off every Sunday or Thursday, whatever more games and days we have. Um, but it's, you know, we know that it's 11, 11 more games. 
Um, we have 11 more games, right? Make sure I got the number right. 11 more games to, to show what we have. And, you know, those are just some of the, some of the things that we I think that we have to do. Um, and hopefully they start implementing them. And, you know, I don't think that they've won their last game of the season so far. I don't, At least I don't think so. Stick with them. Um, kind of compare and contrast. See if they correct some things. And, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in. I uh, appreciate your support. God bless and um, have a great rest of the week. Stay tuned for Assembling Titans um, versus the Broncos at Denver. So that should be fun as well. Video coming out on YouTube later in the week. Thank you.